Welcome to the 724 Life Podcast. I'm Lee Towns, the founder and pastor of 724 Life. At 724 Life, we are committed to helping you passionately follow Jesus seven days a week, 24 hours a day in every area of your life. Please be sure that you are fully connected with us by following and liking our Facebook and Instagram accounts at 724 Life Ministry. Also, subscribe and like our YouTube channel at 724 Life. Or you can follow me on Vimeo at Lee Towns. And of course, subscribe to and like this podcast. On these podcasts, we'll be sharing teaching and conversations about how you can experience and follow Jesus in every area of your life, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So let's get started today. Thanks for joining us. So welcome back to 724 Life Podcast. I'm Lee Towns, and I am glad you have joined us today. Uh, You know, we kind of have a rhythm about how we um, are producing podcasts. Uh, One, uh, we produce a video and then create a podcast uh, out of the audio from that video. Uh, And then what I like to follow that up with is an interview. I like to ask people to listen or watch uh, the, the particular talk. In this case, it's a different me. And then ask questions because often as a communicator, I'll tell the information, but really never give a formal invitation uh, to go a little deeper or clear up something and, and have somebody ask questions about what I've said. And so uh, we've been doing that over the past several episodes where we uh, release the video and then follow it up with an interview. Uh, however, I need to say right up front, uh, you don't have to have heard the uh, video or the podcast from the video. You don't have to have listened to or watched that in order to appreciate what happens in these interviews. So uh, if you want to keep listening and uh, enjoy the interview, I think you'll appreciate it very much. However, um, you can stop this, go back and listen to A Different Me, and then come back and listen to the interview, whichever you prefer. It might be interesting for you to listen to the interview and then watch the video afterwards if you haven't had a chance. If you do go over and watch that video at uh, YouTube, I would love it if you would take a minute and press that like button, hit subscribe, and even leave a comment. That helps us as we um, are sending the content out. It helps the content to be pushed into the search engine for YouTube and Uh, So be sure you do that. And while you're doing that, be sure you follow this podcast as we're releasing new episodes just about every week. And so uh, I want to make sure that you are staying connected with us. Uh, We have had in the past, my wife interview me. Um, Our last episode, we had my youngest daughter, Carly, interview me. And today, my oldest daughter, Ashley, is here and she's going to talk to me about what she observed in that video uh, or that podcast and ask her questions. I love her perspective on life and I'm looking forward to what she has uh, to ask and uh, the insights that her questions will bring. Um, And just in full disclosure, uh, I am not pre-warned about these questions. They are in the moment. So uh, I'm getting them as you're getting them. (laughs) Uh, But uh, before I give you the control, Ashley, and let you ask the questions, let me ask you two questions. First, uh, what's your favorite thing in life to do? Yeah. um, Currently, my favorite thing is trying new restaurants. Um, I'm adding the restaurants piece. Trying new things has been kind of a goal of mine the last couple of years Mm -hmm. um, to push me outside my comfort zone. But currently, given the 
landscape of the last year and a half, traveling and going new places and experiencing new things is not as easy to do as it once was. So I'm trying new restaurants, trying new things. Um, I mean, you were with me for the last new thing I tried. Fuh. Um, won't be, won't be trying it a second time, but I mean, I mean, it's maybe in the fall. Maybe I should give it another chance because I had a fall flavor for all of you pumpkin spice lovers, chai lovers. <laughs> pho, try it. You're going to love it. I'm not one of those, though. Um, but I did discover I liked pad thai um, in the process. So at least I found something new that I did like. Um, but yeah, I think trying new restaurants, learning about the place in which I live. I moved... I guess it's been like eight months now. Yeah. 15 minutes down the road, which I know some people is like, 15 minutes you just move neighborhoods but in Loudoun County Virginia it's a whole other city and and it's completely different um so I moved to the area called South Riding so I'm trying new places there um now that I'm settled and the beauty of working from home is I can go to dinner a lot more easily (laughs) so found a new sushi joint that I walk right past the pho place to get to the sushi (laughs) joint um but I mean sushi is even something now that I think about it in the last couple of years, I just started trying yeah. and decided I liked. I used to be so scared of it. Um, but yeah, trying trying new restaurants slash things. But in today's day and age and landscape, new restaurants is really where I've honed in on. Good for you. Good for you. Ashley is a graduate of North Carolina State. Go, go back. back. <laughs> I'm in my NC State tank top today. There you go. There it's a podcast go. no one can see, but That's just right. a visual. It's a white Again, tank top with red, red letters. There red we and go. white. That's right. Red and white. And uh, But uh, that was a few years ago when she graduated from state um, and now is in her career. So actually, just real quick, tell us about your job. Yeah. It's not at all what I went to NC State for um, or what I moved to this area for. No one has ever done that. No. That's unheard of. I'm definitely the... The most unique person. No, not at all. Um, So I work in the government consulting space. So similar to most people are probably familiar with the big four and like the public accounting firms, all of those. We're we're number five on the list. We're coming for the big four, but we're number five. Um, But we, I work in the government side of our business. So I manage all of our internal employees and the projects that they're on and the clients they're assisting. So when we win new work, we have contracts that are um, government clients, government agencies, everything from Department of Defense agencies to state and local entities. When they have a need that they're going to use our consultants for, our teams come to me and say, hey, Ashley, who do we have available that has this skill set that we can put in this role? So on one hand, I do that. But on the other hand, I also help these resources manage their career. And so they'll come to me and say, hey, I want to get more involved in this type of work or this training in this software or do more of this. I mean, it can vary from everything from financial management to technology implementations to change management, those types of areas, communications. And I help them either network with the right people, get in the right trainings, get on the right projects, right teams. So I manage from a client perspective, staffing of their needs. And then from a resource perspective, their career and their de- growth and development within the firm. Cool. And you said big four. You know, there are those who know who the big four are in counting, but uh, not everybody does. So just give me a name or two from the big four. Deloitte is okay. probably the biggest name. Okay. Price Waterhouse, right? Uh, Price Waterhouse, Coopers, KPMG. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So, and, and shout out to Grant Thornton. Grant That's Thornton. That's who you work for. That's the one. Don't worry about the big four. Grant Thornton, our, uh, we sponsor the female golfer that just won the gold medal for the U.S. in go. Tokyo. So 
All right. If you need to know who we are, we're the Purple Organization. That's right. And we're sponsoring the top female golfer in America who brought the gold home. So. There you go. Good for you. All right. So that's you. That's Ashley. And uh, that lets uh, listeners kind of know a little bit about you. Take it away, Ashley. You are now in charge of the questions. Oh, boy. No pressure here. <laughs> All right. I had, I had to ask, did you ever successfully do a car repair with your dad? <laughs> So, uh, I'm familiar with your dad and how awesome he yeah. is at car repairs. Yeah. But so the, all right. So here's a little bit of background on that, on that, uh, story. My dad, uh, as I mentioned in the story and, uh, I won't t- I retell the story, but my dad is very handy, uh, but he, by, by vocation, uh, and calling is a pastor. Uh, so as a hobby initially, and then as a side hustle, actually, uh, he rebuilds or has developed uh, a little side business of rebuilding um, wrecked vehicles and cars. Um, but outside of that, uh, da- my dad has always just been super handy. My granddad was, you know, super handy. Um, uh, I won't go into the details of how he uh, rigged up different things around his house, and but uh, but but my you know my dad had an engineering background. In fact, when he went into ministry, uh, the Lord really spoke to him, and he left the engineering school at North Carolina State to go to be trained to be a pastor. And so he's got a engineering mind, and he's got uh, just a, a a way of fixing things he always has and um so uh that's that's kind of the background on that story you know uh i think uh the height of my fixing something on my vehicle is probably there have been a few times i've changed the oil um uh i'm trying to think if i've actually ever really fixed anything i you know i i i got a vehicle from my dad. I've gotten several vehicles from my dad that he rebuilt, but the last one I got was my Tundra. Uh, my sparkles. Big, yeah. My big, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the girls in my family called it sparkles. I just had a value that I couldn't call my big truck sparkles. But anyway, um, so there were little cosmetic things, you know, where I had to take a part off, you know, like a, like a, a visor, sun visor or something like that where I've done that. But, no, Ashley, I got to be honest. I don't think I've ever done a car repair, <laughs> not, not successfully. I was going to say, I've been in your life for 31 years and I couldn't think of one. <laughs> and I know that when I have a car repair, no offense, I'm not asking <laughs> you. No, no offense. I just had a nail taken. in my tire last yeah, week exactly. and it was like, call AAA. Take it. Yep, take it to the shop. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I can think through the first car, adult car I bought, my Kia Forte. Yeah. I ended up buying it because I needed to change my headlight on my on my Good. Honda CRV, and it was just too hard for either of us at the beach to that's deal right. with. And it was like, that's let's right. just go look at a new car. Yeah, that's right. And that's kind of the way car repair works for me. If it's broken, time for a new one. Yeah, pay <laughs> the money. That's horrible. No, I I will I will take it to the shop. I always make friends with a mechanic. That's 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 actually the first contact I make when I move someplace before I make doctors and dentists contacts as mechanics because I. I just, yeah, that's just not in my wheelhouse, and uh, I'm not offended that you don't call me for that. That's true, though. I did. We did have mechanics everywhere. Oh like yeah, in Raleigh, I can remember 
who we, I mean, we pushed my, the poor Camry down the road to our, because <laughs> it was 45 minutes away from where we lived, but that was the mechanic that, was, that we went to. He so. was my friend. <laughs> so we were going to take this dying car that. Exactly. My lack of oil. I got, I got my car repair there skills you from go. you because. There you go. Hard lesson in oil changes right there. <laughs> so no, I, I, <laughs> I cannot think of a car repair that I've been able to do myself successfully. Well, on the flip side, car repairs might not be your forte. Yeah. But there are other things that you can fix. Sure. So what are some of those things that you would say we should come to you to get fixed? <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, can you t- you can tell that I'm trying to be careful in how I answer that. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I uh, I'm a I'm a hack at a few things. Uh, so, you know, I'm a I'm a little bit of a hack when it comes to our computers and stuff. Uh, I, and and I need to be really clear. I am really just a hack. I a good I, hack. I uh, I can I can make them turn on and turn off, but uh, I'm not a computer engineer. Um, the place probably. Actually, in fairness, where I probably shine, you know, in terms of being able to be a help, really comes down to spiritual things. It comes down to to life and making decisions. I think I I think I am a pretty good coach when it comes to making decisions and a pretty good resource for that. Uh, the thing I'm doing right now that uh, I really love doing it. It's uh, I've, I've jumped into it. I, I, I've dabbled with it a little bit um, earlier in my life uh, in the, I, we call it consulting slash coaching um, as it relates to ministry type things, church type things. Um, I like coming alongside people and helping them, you know, helping them make decisions, helping them, you know, grow uh, spiritually and, and grow in their um in their life in general, the maturation process. Um, and, and I've spent a good bit of time in student ministry. So a few years ago I was, I was doing some coaching with student ministry pastors and, and I, I did that while I was still in the saddle doing ministry in a local church. And so, um, so I just dabbled with it a little bit, but I've kind of given myself more over, um, the last couple of years to engaging in the church as a whole. And so I'm currently working um, with some uh, churches on um, new strategy of ministry, and uh, and I really love doing that. And and what I'm finding, in fact, uh, yesterday was a full day of working with uh, one of my um, churches that I'm working with, and and I'm finding that um, I really love being able to coach and help churches. Uh, find their mission, uh, organize towards that mission, and um, and be successful in helping uh, people be transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. And that is in keeping with what we're doing here at 724 Life, is trying to help people in that way. So the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a hobbyist at a handful of things, and I might be able to give you my opinion, but probably my best place to help people is in, is in the area of spiritual progress and spiritual questions. And, you know, one of my favorite parts of that is to take somebody that, uh, just doesn't know, you know, uh, skeptical, bad experience, whatever, and, uh, and help them work through their questions, their hangups, their sticking points and, uh, and help them make progress towards finding, uh, 
God. Yeah. I mean, I would, from my vantage point, agree with that. Although I think you're selling yourself short. You're, you're a pro with a bungee cord, especially out in the camping <laughs> space. I've never seen someone whip up an outdoor bathroom with a bungee cord quite like you. Well, sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. So. I thought for a little bit we weren't going to be able to rein you in in my teenage years with a bungee cord. <laughs> But you can do it. You can do some stuff with bungee cords. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, you mentioned the helping piece, and it actually kind of transitions pretty well to another question I had had. And you talked to reference, or you referenced it in the the podcast and the video, how in order to change, you know, you've got the first step is recognizing that you need help. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be the hardest thing for a person to do. Yeah. It's to A, recognize that they need help, but beyond that, admit they need help. Yeah. How do you think... And this is, you know, just thinking through what I've seen, you know, in my, in my generation, mm-hmm. um, in the millennials, I think saying that we are getting help is becoming more popular. Yeah. But on the flip side, I think, you know, in a culture with social media, how do you think that's impacting people's ability to A, ask for help or even, I don't want to say glamorize getting help. I think sometimes there is that piece of, so-and-so says they need help, so I need help. And yeah. it's almost a one-up. Yeah. Um, but how do you think culture, generationally, social media, those types of impacts are impacting our ability to actually recognize what help we truly need and admitting that? Yeah. Well, wow, that's that's a great question that uh, uh, I don't know if I saw that coming. That's a, that's a good question, Ashley. Um, I, I think that, I mean, there's a bunch of different threads, so don't let me... Don't let me not answer the question in the different things I'm going to say, but you you mentioned the social media piece, and and I I think you know like the in vogue thing right now is mental health issues, right? And and it's in vogue, and that's a good thing in that it raises awareness, but it's also a problematic thing in that as you kind of hinted at in your in your statement or question, is it because it's in vogue, then you then we kind of co opt problems that or stuck places or you know we we fixate trying to manifest in our own self the need to to be like everybody else who needs it like exactly. you like you referenced and so so we sometimes we make problems bigger than they are in order to have our own story um kind of thing so now to say that that doesn't mean people should neglect mental issue, mental health issues and they should or nor should they neglect what I think is really similar and sometimes I think we confuse mental health with spiritual health and spiritual health with mental health and, and because that line is real blurry mm-hmm. you know between them and and there are times where you know I I'm working with people that I hear them talk about mental health struggles and they're and I hear sometimes yeah, that those are those are legitimately mental health struggles, and you need to wrestle with that. And you need in and in my vocation, one of the things that I learned early on was to to be able to decipher the difference between a mental health issue and a spiritual health issue, and know that my equipping or my capabilities were for spiritual health issues, and to call on those who had that unique skill set and training for mental health and to be able to look at somebody and say, I'm hearing you and that's a mental health issue and I need to get you with someone who can help you get to the right place. Now, I always wanted that mental health professional to have an understanding going the other way 
that this is a spiritual health issue. And so they were sensitive to the spiritual health issues because again, that, because that's, I, was saying, I think they go very hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a real blurry line. And so I always wanted to be able to point someone with mental health issues to a mental health professional who had an awareness of spiritual health uh, factors and who would say, this is mental health and I'll deal with this, but this is spiritual health and I'm going to put you with a spiritual health professional. And, and the partnership then between the two of us, me being the spiritual health professional, uh, the other being the mental health professional, the partnership between the two of us, you know, was always positive. And so, um, so I, I was very, I've always been very aware of that. And so I want to, want to be careful when I'm talking about people fixating on a problem to not diminish the reality. There are legitimate and important and prolific mental health issues in our world. But at the same time, um, I think there's a direct correlation between spiritual health and mental health and, and they feed off of each other. Spiritual health makes us mentally more healthy and mental health makes us spiritually more healthy. If we define health as the ability to mature and progress, right. Mm -hmm. And, or progress. And, and so I, I, in saying the fixation thing that it's, that it could be a negative, it's just that, you know, sometimes we, we choose to get stuck Mm -hmm. rather than really being stuck. And it's become popular to be stuck. I was going to say, I know just in my personal life, you know, if you're around people who are saying, Hey, I have X, Y, and Z, or I need help. I'm going, I'm going to therapy, which is a great right. thing. And I, I think right. it's important for people, but then almost still, this sounds bad, but to fit in myself, it almost makes me go, okay, well, I'm not doing that. Why am I not doing that? Right. What am I missing? Right. Um, right. and so that's where I, I sometimes worry. And that's kind of where my question, it kind of popped out on as I was thinking about it is, okay, at what point, like, how do we toe that line? How do we, how do we know? Okay. That's, and on the spiritual health piece, how is that? How do we know that's not Satan putting doubts in my mind that right. something's wrong, right? Or right. letting culture dictate who I am, right? Yeah, well, there's a you know there's a spiritual principle uh, that we often talk about. But, you know, we and Scripture talks about it like this. You know, I think it's in Hebrews says, you know, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and and that idea of fixing our eyes. There, there are a handful of passages that come to my mind with that. I, I even think of um, Paul talks about in uh, Philippians, I think it's chapter four. He talks about, you know, I'm not perfect, but here's what I do. I forget what lies behind and I press on towards what lies ahead uh, to to achieve the goal that's been set forth for me in Christ Jesus. And, and it's that there's that idea of getting my eyes set on Jesus and not looking to the left or the right. And, and I think at times, some of our places where we get stuck, particularly spiritually, where we get stuck, we, we get stuck because we've chosen to take our eyes off of Jesus and look at the issue and, and then fixate at the issue. It's, (laughs) you know, it's kind of like when you're driving down the highway and traffic stops because there's been a fender bender and everybody stops to look at it. Right. I mean, it could be, you could be in a four lane highway divided highway and the traffic on both sides of the highway slows down. You haven't heard that just by looking at it, it'll fix the problem. (laughs) Exactly. And that, and that's, but that's what we do. You know, we, so, so sometimes I think that it's, it's very easy for us to, to do that, to, to do that. And it's a choice that we make again. I want to be really, really careful. You know, there, there are real, uh, 
stuck points. There are spiritual stuck points. There are mental health stuck points that need attention. Um, but just because some, just because your coworker or your neighbor is stuck doesn't mean you are stuck. And so to learning to, to differentiate between I'm truly stuck or I'm choosing to be stuck. You know, I, I'm in the accident. Oh, I'm the, I'm the, you know, the bypasser that's looking at the accident, you know, knowing the difference between that is, is really important. The other thing that is embedded in what you were saying that, um, I want to make sure that I go back and visit you. You mentioned the idea of social media and, and the impact of social media and our ability to, you know, admit that we need to change and, you know, do that kind of thing. I think social media makes us less capable of change, you know, because what we do with social media is we give a snapshot of a moment, right? And so here's this picture or here's this thought that I have in this particular moment. And most likely, because most of us do it this way, it's a, it's a positive thing, at least to us. You know, it's positive even when we're yelling at somebody, right? It's we feel strongly, and that's a positive feeling. I've never done such a thing. <laughs> that's a that's a positive feeling in us. It, it may not be positive in its in its nature, but we feel good about how strongly we feel, so we say it. Yep. And here's this moment, and and we forget very quickly that social media is merely a moment. So that that beautiful life that's being projected that perfect life that's being projected, that angry life. It's just a moment. It's not the whole. And and so what happens is we populate our minds with all of these moments, perfect moments. Again, per, when I say perfect, I'm not talking about simply sunsets. I'm talking about perfectly ordered or arguments where you know, I don't have to look the person in the eye when I'm saying that hostile thing, perfectly ordered complaints when I don't have to hear the response, you know, when I'm making that. So it's, it's not just when I say that perfect moment, I'm not just talking about the idyllic, you know, fairy tale moment, but I'm talking about it's everything we put on social media is perfectly ordered in that moment. And it's for lack of a better way to say it, it's, it's, a, a laboratory uh, statement and not a real world statement. It, and what I mean by that is all of the factors that go into how we frame that statement are calculated and fixed, mm -hmm. you know, and they're, and they're, and you don't deal with the variables of another person. You don't deal with the variables of, you know, pushback and justification and ramification and, and all of that kind of stuff. You just, boom, here's this moment. Well, if our if the entire landscape of our thought process is a social media landscape, then it is easy for us to come to this place that says the whole world has it together and I better have it together. Mm -hmm. And and social media is not very good at all at producing vulnerability. No. And uh -huh. and it, hostility, yes. <laughs> uh, envy, absolutely. <laughs> Dissatisfaction, oh yeah. But but vulnerability, no. It, and in fact, you know, we've got that whole trend of cancel culture. That is a social media kind of driven trend that says you can't be vulnerable, mm -hmm. and and it's actually 
you know, the, the vulnerability. Cause if killer. you're vulnerable, you could make a mistake exactly. and it could derail your life in ways that you didn't even know were possible. Five, 10, 15 exactly. years on the road. And so if you live there, if that's, so that now has become the tape that's playing in our mind constantly, the ability to say, I need help. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm insufficient for this, whatever it is. I mean, it's just blown away. And, and I think, um, that's a really dangerous place to be because one of the things I think we sometimes forget is that, uh, every single one of us need help. Every single one of us is inadequate for, you know, we may not be inadequate for everything, but we're inadequate for something because we're, we're growing, we're in process and, we're finite as finite human beings, you know, there's, there's just a capacity limit period. That's the definition of finite. And in that finiteness, we need somebody else to come alongside us. We need help now, you know, at the foundational level, and obviously the premise that I'm making, you know, in the different me, uh, thing is that, um, God is the first place we go. That's the first help we need. Now, I think that God leads us into other places of help, like like community. We need other people in our life. But the first place of help, the first place of assistance that we need is God. That's the starting place. And he does the things that I talked about. He forgives us and he reshapes us and he you know, gives us a new desire and those kinds of things. But, um, but I, but it starts with us, you know, being able to step back from the perfect order of our social media world. And instead of fighting and resisting and complaining or whatever word you want to put in there, the perfect order of our social media world, stepping back and saying, I'm just not enough. Yeah. And I think, as you've been talking, just kind of thinking and responding in my own head to some of the things you're saying, I, I think in a, I can think through my lifetime. So in 31 years and probably we're, if we really narrow it down 15, 16 years to high school age, mm-hmm. it's shifted. It was a lot easier and at least personally to tell God I needed help. Yeah. Whereas telling you or mom or my friends I needed help, that was a lot more vulnerable or even social media. But I think it's flipped. And at least for me, yeah. it's a lot easier to tell others that I need help, but yeah. it's a lot harder now for me to sit with God and say, I need help here. Yeah. And don't you think, um, there's a tendency in us, you know, as you're saying that there's a tendency in us to go, well, God knows I need help. And uh, part of what happens, I think in that is, so it's become vogue for us to, you know, say to others, I'm not sufficient for us to say to others, I need help. But when we start saying to God, we need help, we're actually admitting that something needs to change. Mm -hmm. You know, when we say it to others, often it's not about changing. It's about gaining understanding or or, or tolerance. uh, Yeah. Or validation. Yeah. And, and, and it's not so much, um, you know, God have mercy. God change me. It's, you know, it's more of a, look, this is who I am. And I need to tell you who I am. I need to tell you why I am who I am. And, and in that way, you'll accept that mm-hmm. and it'll be okay. 
Um, but, but I think on the God side of it, I think that's interesting that it's harder maybe now for us to say, God, you need help. I need help. Um, I think on that side there, you know, we avoid making that declaration on every count. And so we replace saying to God, I need your help with anything and everything so that we don't have to say it. Is that, if that makes sense? I mean, that's just kind of the, you know, our human pull whether we like it or not, our human pull is away from God. I think that, I think that's exactly the statement I made, that the pull away from God is stronger than the pull towards God. And, um, and because of that, then what happens is we do the kind of the flippant, what well, God knows I need help, and we never have to say it. Here's what I know. If I never say I'm not enough, if I never say I didn't get that right, if I never say I need help, I genuinely will never get help. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't have to verbalize it, and when I'm saying I say it, I mean say it out loud. Uh, you know, because listen, I I am very likely to go, yeah, I thought it. <laughs> you know what I'm well, saying? Well, I think we just assume God hears it, our exa- thoughts. Exactly, so. and we go, I thought it, and He knows. But but when I do that, I really don't have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, I really don't. But when I when it comes out of my mouth and I say it, then that leads to a whole different deal. There's there's a whole different vulnerability. There's a whole different dependence that emerges when I say I'm not enough. I need help. Um, and so I, I think it's I, I think that the trap that we fall into is replacing saying it to God mm-hmm. with saying it to somebody else or not saying it at all. It's the avoidance of actually going to the one who can help to get help. And there's, there's probably a lot of conversation we could have about why we do that. Um, you know, the, not the least of which is we just fundamentally don't want to change. Uh, uh, you know, and that, that's probably plays a significant role. Um, oh yeah, there, we had that, in the moment, oh, I felt bad about saying this, or I felt bad about doing this. I wish I could change, but then, you know, 10 minutes passes, 20 minutes passes, an hour passes, and it's like, yeah, I'm sorry about that. But I don't, deep down, I mean, we won't say it out loud, but deep down we're like, yeah, but that's in the past. Right. And we don't want to deal with it. And we've and, moved on. Yeah, we've moved on. And and so I, I think that, um, you know, it's very possible that, that we – miss the chance to change because we don't say it. We don't say, God, I need help. I am not enough. I am not perfect. I, I need help. Yeah. And how we, I mean, because that's, I mean, just personally speaking, that's hard to get to. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know, honestly, where you start to yeah. get to that point. So, you know, on that, where would you recommend somebody who's looking to make that shift, who desperately wants to make that shift, but doesn't know where to start? Where would you recommend they even start the process? Yeah. That, so um, over the course of my life, you know, I have talked, you know, sometimes a lot and sometimes, you know, not as much, but I have consistently said there's a discipline or a habit in our life that I think helps this. And it's the habit of journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think there are new ways to journal, uh, to be honest, good and healthy ways. I mean, I, I think that 
There's obviously the dear diary kind of thing, you know, with a pen and paper. And I think that's incredibly healthy. Um, but I think also, you know, with the nature of our technology in our world, you know, the blog, the, or, or, or a, of, you know, like a voice memo on your phone. Okay. I'm just going to talk through it. I'm not good at writing, but, but I can turn on my memo app and I can talk and, and I advocate, you know, journaling, you know, multiple times a week and, and a journal entry that is vulnerable here. I'm just going to, this is a place where I'm going to be real. This is a place where, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to admit my limitations and, and discipline yourself to do that. And, you know, and so you asked me the starting place. I think that a pen to paper or verbalizing to a, a voice memo or, you know, something like that could be a great starting place. And it's not the ending place, but it's a great starting place. It's a, it's a habit in your life that gets, what it does is it begins to work that muscle of, uh, saying, because it takes a lot of muscle to say, I am not enough. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe just on a regular basis, doing a journal entry that starts with, here's how I'm not enough. And, and forcing yourself to tell yourself the truth and saying, I, I come short here. Um, so I, I think that's a good life habit. I think also the nature of being in community and we could really go chasing a lot of rabbits here and uh, I'll be really uh, disciplined about not doing <laughs> that. But I have strong opinions about church and what can be offered digitally and what can be offered in person. And, uh, I think there's an awful lot that can be done digitally. I, I, I believe in this digital platform that, you know, I mean, even that we're using now. And, and I think there's a lot of really good in there, but the digital platform will come up just a bit short as it relates to this issue. And, and there is just value in being connected with someone that is moving in the same direction and can look you in the eye, can grab you by the hand or the shoulder and hold you up when you feel like you're going to fall, uh, slow you down when you're going too fast or push you to go faster when you're not going fast enough that, that will reassure you through that touch, you know, and through that we need to be face to face with someone else in our life who is moving towards Jesus and has admitted in their own life, I'm not enough and can stand you admitting to them that you are not enough. Um, in the last episode, we talked about having a truth teller in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I think this person could be, you know, both a truth teller and play this role, but I think it's a fellow traveler. You need to have a fellow traveler in your life and, and someone who, who is as committed to spiritual health as you are and is finding spiritual health in Jesus like you are. I think that's really, really important. You can't go it alone. And, and it's probably easier for you to start with a eye to eye, uh, admission of your, your inadequacy. And then that lead to, you know, a divine, you know, interaction, you know, you and God mm -hmm. and admitting to God that, but I think those two things are really important as a starting place. Um, I think everybody could start regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey with just a journal entry that says, here's how I'm not enough. Yeah. And, 
and being honest with your limitations. And I, I think, I think there's two qualities of character that come into play here, a commitment to humility and a commitment to honesty. And again, I, again, I think I mentioned this in the video that the crazy thing about us is that we will lie to ourselves and we'll believe our own lies. Right. And so we'll say, I am enough and we'll believe it. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole time knowing we're not, I mean, yeah. we, we do, we know that. I mean, but we just, don't let it get quiet enough. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that character quality of honesty and that character quality of humility will serve you well when you're navigating through this. And I think, I think this is a lifelong reality. I mean, you know, I, I have to, I have to continue to do that in my own life and, and I am still not enough. It's, it's not like you reach a point where I've done enough things or I've wrestled with enough issues, enough issues, or I've read enough books or I've whatever, you know, you're not going to get to a place where you go, I'm enough. Mm-hmm. You're not, you, you are always going to need God. You are, you're always going to need help. And there, there is always more that you need. Yeah, I think it's important to hear that because I think it's super easy to just say I'm a failure because I'm I feel this way or I'm not enough and I'm a failure. But you're never gonna be. I mean, that's ultimately what happened in the fall. Right, is perfection was lost. Right, and that separates us from God. And so, yeah, I think that's important to hear. Is that it's never gonna be a hundred percent all wrapped up in a nice pretty bow like the christmas presents under the christmas tree right it's there's always something else you can change and you know going back to something you said about having somebody beside you i think it's also having someone that's invested in the process you're going on not the in the spiritual health piece you you mentioned not somebody who's just almost going to enable you to be like you know what it's not worth it like you're not going to accomplish you're not going to get to that it's someone who is ahead of you who's been through it and has come out on the other side and believes in the process. Because I, I do think it's really easy to surround yourself with people who will tell you what you want to hear. Or say, hey, don't put in the hard work because it's not worth it. It didn't yeah. work for me. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I wanted to go back and just say I think that's that's an important piece. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, the it, just to try to take a, an arrow out of the quiver of the enemy that... Um, um, that's inevitably going to be there. The idea in a, in a competitive culture, because we are competitive people, mm-hmm. uh, and not just not just by virtue of where we live, but just as human beings, we're competitive. The idea of saying ahead of me feels like I am inferior. Somebody that's ahead of you is not superior to you. No. Somebody that's ahead of you just means they've had an experience that influences their ability to help you in your experience. It the tables may flip in 30 days, mm-hmm. right? I mean, or in a whole different situation. Exactly. So you you may be facing a change in your life, uh, facing you know dealing with your inadequacy and your not enoughness uh, in some part of your life, and somebody who's walking alongside you is not facing that, and they can help you, and you may find yourself you know in no time flat with roles reversed where you're helping them through, through the not enoughness in the same area. And, and so don't get stuck thinking, well, this person that's gone, you know, that's walking with me, they've got it. I don't, I'm trying to catch up, you know, I'm, I'm behind. I mean, that's not the point that's, and it's not, it's not even accurate. It's, you know, it's, uh, 
its fellow traveler. Yep. You know, and, and they might be a few steps ahead of you, in, but in it doesn't mean ahead, experience. right? In that particular experience, but they may need your help in another area exactly. that you're a couple steps ahead. Exactly, and really, it's just picking each other up. Exactly. I mean, exactly. that and that's true. Even like in a sports analogy, I mean, just because someone's a senior on the football team, right, doesn't necessarily mean they're eating. They're better than a freshman. They've just been there three years. So right. when it comes to college football playoff, if like with Trevor Lawrence, he's been there. Right. He'd been there. Right. He could lead the freshman. Right. Right. And he, it's not that he's better than he's DJ. It. Right. it just means he had been there. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. I mean, those that was uh, we just spent a lot of time around a few questions. Right. But I think they were important questions. So it kind of pales in the comparison to the rest of the other ones I'd come up with. Yeah. I think that was really the thing I wanted to get at the heart of. Good. Um and, and build up to. So I'm glad we were able to like dive into that one. Good. Good. Well, Ash, thanks for doing that. It's good to have your input and have your perspective. And, and I, I hope this conversation has been helpful you know, to anybody that's listening in. And, uh, you know, if you uh, are listening and, and this raises questions for you, you know, by all means, uh, reach out to us, you know, shoot us a, a message, shoot us a comment. Uh, you know, our, our contact information is at 724life.org. Uh, and you can uh, reach out through that vehicle. You can follow us on social media. We're on Insta and Facebook, uh, 724 Life Ministry. Uh, and uh, you can find all of our video resources through our website or at uh, our YouTube channel or our Vimeo channel. And uh, you, there are just a ton of, ton of ways you can reach out to us uh, because I do love helping people as they discover more and more and more what it looks like to passionately follow Jesus. And none of us are enough and uh, all of us are in process. And so we like to say it like this, that uh, we are everyday people uh, who are in the transformation process, being transformed uh, into passionate followers of Jesus who follow him in every area of our life, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Hey, thanks for listening in. I look forward to seeing you the next time. Thank you so much for joining us today for our 724 Life podcast. We hope that it has been helpful as you endeavor to follow Jesus seven days a week, 24 hours a day in every part of your life. Be sure you subscribe to this podcast so that you can hear future episodes. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 724 Life Ministry and subscribe and like our YouTube channel at 724 Life. I hope you have a great day and we look forward to seeing you next time.